How many would say here today that as you look back over this last week, you can definitely say God is good. Amen. Amen. And in fact, how many are able to say in your heart, God is good all the time. Amen. He is. He is. Uh, if you would turn to Psalm 33, children may be dismissed to Children's Church. And uh, if you would turn to Psalm 33, we'll be reading through this. Some of you had asked, and uh, some of you don't didn't even know to ask, but uh, uh, just a, a praise uh, for our family is... Uh, we have a, a new uh, child into our family. I am now a grandpa. So, and uh, most people would say, oh man, you know, now you're your grandpa. I says, I'm way old enough to be a grandpa. Uh, so I'm, I'm past that. Uh, but yes, uh, so we're uh, glad. To, it was a little early, but it's a boy, Lucas Daniel Connor. And that's for my son and uh, his wife, our daughter-in-law, and then a month from now, our daughter and son-in-law will be having. So I'll get have two of them that we get to go see at some point in time here. Uh, so we're excited about that. If you'd look at Psalm 33, let's begin working through this uh, today here. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise Him. Praise the Lord with the heart. Make music to Him on the ten-string lyre. Sing to him a new song, play skillfully and shout for joy, for the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, the starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke. And it came to be, he commanded it, and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever, the purposes of his heart through all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. From the heaven, the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place, he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the heart of all, who considers everything they do. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. The horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him and on those who hope in his unfailing love to deliver them from death and to keep them alive in famine. We wait in hope for the Lord, for he is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you as we come to this place. Recognize that each of us comes with different burdens and different blessings we've experienced this week. We pray for the Cop family and uh, as they just uh, walking through the valley where death has cast its shadow, even in their memorial service yesterday. There are others that are still walking through where they've been. And well, there are things that we don't even know about that people have walked in there in here this morning with let's pray that you would be able to lighten that load that we'd be able to give it to you to not be anxious or worry but to cast all our care upon you or move and work as only you can Speak to us this day. Help us not just to take it as some religious words that we've heard something similar, but help us with the very heart, get to our very heart, let us be honest with you and with ourselves on how we need to be different 
before we walk out of this place. So Holy Spirit, move. It's only you can move beyond uh, anything that I could possibly say you can speak. And so we pray, Lord, that you would speak for your servants are listening. Move in and through us for your glory, for your honor. And in your name we pray. Amen. We've been doing a a series of messages just recently about winning over worry. It ultimately fits together with our uh, fighting for joy, but winning over worry. Uh, We've been talking about getting out of the worry rocking chair. If you remember, if you were with us, it's just that, you know, worry is one of those things that it's a lot of motion. There's a lot of emotion, but it doesn't get us anywhere. We just keep going. We just keep rocking the same old worry. And we need to do something different about that. Philippians chapter 4 was the passages that we had been looking at. If you remember that, you can turn there if you want. But remember, as we've talked about this whole thing, uh, and some people would say, you know what? As you think about worry, why worry? It doesn't change anything. Now, that sounds good, except that it's not true. Worry does change something. Worry changes you. Worry changes your emotions. Worry changes you mentally. Worry changes you physically. Worry changes you spiritually. So this is important. Worry and being anxious drains you, including the joy out of everything in life. In fact, it really shouldn't surprise us. You know, the English word from where we get the word worry means to strangle. Think about that. Being worried or anxious has a stranglehold on our life that is very real so many times. But what we've been talking about is that we can win over worry. The habit that hurts us, we can find victory in. And we can find joy. And we saw that in Philippians chapter 4. And we recognize that the first step is that, yes, we're sitting here, we're rocking and worry. We need to get up out of that chair. We need to throw our hands in the air and praise God and thank Him. Get our focus off ourselves. But then the next step, that wasn't enough because we still kind of have a problem here. We're carrying around the thing that we're worried about and we need to drop down in prayer And to give this to the Lord. That's all good. And and it's even that praise is something that starts out with the very first part of Psalm 33. Sing joyfully to the Lord. Praise Him. Sing to Him a new song. Something that we're going to be doing throughout all eternity. A new song because His mercies are new every morning. This is all good. This is good. It Should we be praying? Yes, that's, that's good. We raise our hands in the air and praise Him. We drop down in prayer and, and pray about the needs that we have. All of that is good, but is it enough? And there are some people who quite honestly can say, Nope. That is, doesn't do it. I, I heard what you said the last two messages. Those were good, Pastor. But uh, nothing's different. I'm still worrying. And that's because as soon as we're done dropping down in prayer and we pray about this problem that we're worried about, we get up and do what? <sighs> Sit right back down. It's, and it's not that it didn't necessarily help, but it really didn't change anything for us. We're still rocking in worry as we're going on with this. And for some people, there's a number of different reasons, but for some people the problem can be that when we drop down in prayer, we were not really praying 
Instead, we were just going through the religious motions. We are just following the formula the pastor said in Philippians 4. The formula of Philippians 4, we need to praise God and give Him thanks for all things and, uh, and prayer and petition, present our requests before God. And we just take it as kind of this formula. It's kind of like uh, uh, coming up to a vending machine. And if I, if I put my two quarters in, if I press the right buttons, God has to kick out what I need. He has said it, it just drops down in and I got it. If I do this and I do that, then just get it and that's it. Well, that's just idol worship. That's just going through religious emotions. Joy doesn't come. Worry's not done. The reality is we're not going to win over worry when we don't have a prayer that actually trusts God has got this. Trusting Him enough to give it fully to Him. We end up back in the worry chair. And so something needs to change. Something else needs to change in us. If you remember last week, what he said was, okay, well, what, what, what needs to change is then we just stop with that. And, and if we could just stop worrying for a little while, eventually it doesn't become our habit. And we just put it in the back room. Although we might pull it back out. But, you know, we say, okay, we just kind of, it's not just about getting rid of something. It's about getting a hold of something else. It's not just about getting out of the worry chair. It's about making a decision that we're going to pull out and sit in the Jesus chair. I want you to think through this. To get out of that worry chair, we pray and we get back in it. Unless we choose to sit someplace else. Unless we make that decision that we are going to trust God for what we just prayed about. Put our trust completely in Him alone. I know there's probably some Christians who say, Well, Pastor, I'm, I'm in the Jesus chair. I'm not talking about your salvation. Because obviously we're not in the Jesus chair if we are worrying and anxious about something. If we are rocking, we are in the rocking chair, not in the stable Jesus chair. Are you with me? I can't sit in both chairs at the same time. This is what I'm talking about. I can't sit in both chairs. You have to make the choice. Which chair are you going to choose to sit in? You can't be rocking in worry and resting in Jesus. It's one or the other. Which chair? Where are you sitting? I know in our heads we're thinking here. This is what I believe. But our hearts are over here rocking away. We need to throw our hands in the air. We need to throw our hands in the air and praise and drop down in prayer, but we need to change chairs if we're going to find victory ultimately in this. Which chair are we in? James chapter 1 tells us in verse 6 instructions on our praying and how to pray. When you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. The person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. We're rocking back and forth in that doubt. And the answer to doubt is trust. To trust in God completely. Uh, George Mueller, uh, famous for a lot of things, but especially for his prayer life and facing situations and circumstances much more dire than most of us. He says this, Where faith begins, anxiety ends. Where faith begins, anxiety ends. And where anxiety begins, faith ends. It is completely different when you are trusting in Jesus alone and resting in Him for whatever it is, not just your life, not just your salvation, but everything that's going on. It changes things for us. It, 
In fact, what it does is it gives to us what verse 21 in Psalm 33 talks about. In Him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in His holy name. When we trust in His holy name, our hearts rejoice. We have joy. When we're rocking in worry, there is no joy. But we find the joy in trusting in God. Now, how do we do that? What do we do? What does it mean to rest in the Jesus chair? What were we talking about in trust? You see in your sermon notes, hopefully you got those uh, today in your sermon notes that it first talks about that we must trust the God who said so. We must trust the God who said so. Look at verse 6 to 9 in chapter, or in Psalm 33. It is kind of like a chapter, but Psalm 33. Look at verse 6. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord, that all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke, and it came to be commanded, and it stood firm. God spoke it, and it happened. He said so. And that was it. You think about what it talks about here and what he's doing. How can we not trust this God to work in our worry? The God who made the heavens and the earth and everything in them out of nothing. He made the universe out of nothing. Why are we having trouble trusting Him to do something with the mess that our life that we're experiencing, that we're worrying about? If He can do that by just speaking the Word. He has power to work in this world because His power created this world. We know that it wasn't... As we read this and we read in Genesis, go all the way back, it's not like there was some great effort expended. It's not like God said, all right, now I'll let the waters cover the sea. And, you know, and uh, okay, now we're going to take the, 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 the land, bring it up. You know, he's not yelling, he's not screaming. He says the word, it's done. It wasn't a strain to create everything and everything that happened. He's so powerful, he just speaks the word. In fact, really, it's more than just the word. As we read here, it talks about by the breath in verse 6, by the breath of his mouth. And a lot of times that, that his word or speaking is, is really that word is about his breath. You know, Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, as it talks about the word of God, all scripture is God-breathed. Breathe. It's, it's not just the word of spoken, but it's his very breath is powerful. The very breath that he breathed into Adam and created life is the very breath that he can breathe into you and what's going on in your situation. We must trust the God. All he has to do is just say so to surrender to Him in that, to trust His Word is His work. What He says He will do. Now, that's not true with man. That's not true with us. Oftentimes we can say one thing and do another, right? Even even sincerely saying something, I, I really plan on doing this. I really want to do this. This is something I want to do. But in spite of that, we don't have the power to see that through. What we wanted to do, we just couldn't do. That may be with man, but not God, because what God says, He does. It's the same thing. It's not what God says, then He does. It's all together. It's said, it's done. Boom. He has the power to see it through. And this is why when we rest in the Jesus chair, we are resting in the Word of God, the Word that is God, and what He says. Not in some religious way, uh, trusting things, but actually by trusting what he has said. 
in his word and sometimes the thing that we're worrying about or the area that we're having a struggle with anxiety about as we open up the bible we find that he has a word for that he has something to speak to that but we don't really open up and and hear it read it study it memorize it to take it in to really have it and say okay am i going to go over here to this chair uh, and, and worry and, and kind of make that ch- choice? Am I, am I doing? No. This is what God said. So I'm going to go over here because God said it. And I trust him. I know the way I feel. I know what's happening. But here's what I know is true, not just in my head, but in my heart. Philippians 4.19, My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. The situation I'm facing, I can choose to rock and worry or I can choose to rest in Jesus. But i got to make a choice one way or the other. God has spoken the word. He still speaks the word every time we open up the Bible. It's His story throughout history has been the God who answers. Psalm 22, verse 4 and 5. In you our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were put to shame. Do we believe what God says in His Word? Do we believe that Jesus on the cross delivered us from sin and death? from the penalty of that sin and from the devil himself? Do we believe that Jesus on that cross has given us a victory that goes throughout all eternity? We say, Amen. Hallelujah, I believe that. Jesus delivered us from all of that for all eternity, but we're not sure whether Jesus can deliver us from this thing we're facing in the next couple days. We can trust him for that, but we can't trust him for this. Why do we doubt whether he can deliver us through? If we're going to get out of the worry chair and take our seats in the Jesus chair, we must trust God for what he says in his word he will do. We believe that all his promises are yes and amen. And just take a seat. Rest in Him. Trust. That's how we win over worry. Verse 16 in our passage in Psalm 33, verse 16. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. Where does the king find his his strength? Is his strength in his army? Does he rely on his power and authority as a ruler that he is? Uh, The reality is God gives the authority. God gives the power. God gave the king the position. Relying on these things are ultimately relying on ourselves. This whole, the horse and all those kind of things, it's relying on ourselves. Not relying on God. The strength of a war horse is nothing. Amassing weapons, amassing armies, getting armor and arms, somehow I've got this problem facing. If I can just get enough resources, if I can just get enough people on my side, if I can just get enough, then I won't have to worry about it anymore. You know, let's face it, for some people, if I just get enough money, then I don't have to worry about it. But how many of us have run into people who have more than enough money and yet have more than enough worries about financial things. In Deuteronomy, uh, God even warns them about amassing horses, trying to get so many that like this is going to be where it's at. I mean, David one time, uh, I think it was David, captured a whole bunch of chariots and horses and He destroyed many of them. That's not where the trust is supposed to be. 
Psalm 20, verse 7, some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will trust in the name of our Lord. In the name of our Lord, our God. When we are trying to trust in our chariots and our horses, we will end up rocking in the worry chair. At first, it seems like we got it. And maybe we did the last time, but this time through, we're trusting in the things and the resources that we have or the things we're trying to amass, and we'll just end up rocking. We can just say, you know what, I'm not going to trust in all that. I'm just going to trust in Jesus. It makes absolutely no sense to somebody who does not know Jesus Christ in a personal way and the relationship with Him. It just seems like a religious thing you're doing and checking out. But not when you really believe and trust in Him. You know, there's that sense that having more, getting bigger, getting bigger uh, is, is supposed to help us, then we don't have to worry about it. Well, that doesn't work. Jeremiah 17, verse 5 and 7. This is what the Lord says. Accursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from your flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. This person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. It will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in the land where no one lives. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. To trust in Him and put our confidence in Him, to sit in this chair, is where the blessing happens. Over here, we're trusting in ourselves and what we can do, what other people can do. We're trying to look for those kind of things we will ultimately end up losing. What are we trusting in? What are we relying in? Where are we sitting? Where is our confidence before we get over the edge of worry? Not not just what are we hoping for, but what are we hoping in? My help comes from fill in the blank. Not what verse do you remember? But what really is. You know, I've got these... I've got some problems. I've got some things coming up. But I should be okay because my help comes from fill in the blank. Where is it? Because if it's anything other than my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, and that is where I'm resting, it will not lead to victory but only ultimately to get you rocking once again in worry and anxiety. Are we trusting in ourselves or in our Savior? Trusting in the Lord with all our heart and leaning not in our own understanding? I mean, that's what Proverbs chapter 3 talks about. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding. You know, sometimes it's not the resources or the people that we have with us. It's that I've been here before. I got it. I know. I know what to do. I did some reading. I read a book. Usually it doesn't mean the Bible. I just read a book about it. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Proverbs 3, verses 5 to 8. While we are trying to fix things and, and deal with things in our life or we're trying to, to, to use the resources, everything we've got, trying to add in. Well, if I, if I just add a little bit more money here, if I just add this person coming in here, if I just add this onto my life, then, then maybe I won't have to worry about it as much. But it's usually as much. We still are worrying. We're still rocking, maybe just not as hard. We're trying to add things, but if we sit over here, God multiplies. He doesn't add things. One shall chase a thousand, and two shall chase ten thousand. He multiplies in what He can do. It is so much better than just working with addition that never seems to get us over the edge and what we need. 
to trust Him. And Psalm 28 says, For the Lord is my strength, my shield. My heart trusts in Him, and I am helped. Therefore my heart rejoices, and I will thank Him with my song. Look back in Psalm 33, verse 10, or just a few verses earlier. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the people, but the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of His heart throughout all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people He chose for an inheritance. And we see here that God not only has the potential power to do all things, but He has ultimate authority over all things. What we see here and what I just read is that God's will will be done. Man's got big plans. But whatever man's plans are, they are written in pencil at best and can be erased by God. More than that, God can take the whole paper and crumple it up and just start all over again. See, one of the areas that we end up worrying about is it's not just that, that we're sitting over here in the rocking chair and trying to figure it out and making our plans and writing them all down. But sometimes we're sitting over here and it's like, all right, I believe God can, I, I trust that God can work in my situation. I, I know that God is powerful enough, but these other people are a part of the problem. There's these other people that are, that are, that are causing me trouble. I know God can, uh, is all-powerful, but, but these people here are just going gonna, gonna to derail anything God's going to do. Are you with me? And we think that sometimes. It's kind of like, okay, yeah, I believe God can do it, but, and, and I believe God can work in me, and I know I'm ready for Him to work in me, but this person here, these people, the ones I work with, my family members, you know, they're just, but you probably say other words than that, but. But in that, what we're saying is, my problem's not going to be solved because of these people. They're standing in the way. Really? I want you to really think about that. These people are standing in the way of God's will for your life. These people are standing in the way of what God wants to accomplish in your life. That is not possible. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He sorts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of His heart through all generations. Very clearly, there is nobody... No matter how miserable a person they are, they can throw a monkey wrench in God's plan for you. That doesn't mean that they are not sometimes a wrench in God's plan and what He's trying to do in your life. But to say, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. When I'm afraid of what man can do, when I'm afraid with that, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? Psalm 56. God's plans are unshakable. God's plans are unbreakable. You've got his word on it. And often we, we just have a problem with, like, I believe, but then this person's going to stop. No, God has said it. He said it here. And sometimes our issue is with surrendering our problem to God with not with things that are way beyond us. There are things that are going on that we just say, that's out of my hands. There is, I know there is absolutely nothing I can do about this. It is out of my hands. And so God, you take control, you take, and sometimes we have to get to that point, but a lot of times there's things happen in our lives that it doesn't matter what we do, there's nothing, it's out of our hands. And so we're able to, those things, sit right here. Why? <laughs> Because we can't do anything else. But there are those things that are within our reach. 
that are, that are, that are there within our hands reach. There, there are things that we can do something about, at least help, you know, uh, we can do. And, and, and the problem is I can't try to deal with this and hold on to this problem and try to handle this and at the same time sit in that chair. I've got to let go. And I've got to go sit. Just take a seat in Jesus. As long as we continue to sit in the driver's seat, we will end up in the worry chair. As long as we keep trying to keep our hands on things, we'll never be able to sit down and trust in Him fully and take Him at His word. But there's something else that's here in Psalm 33 that's important and why we can trust God and why we must trust God, and that is that we must trust God, the God who loves us so. Not just the God who said so, but the God who loves us so. Look at verses 14 and 15. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all who considers everything they do. And then skip down to verse 18. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on him whose hope in his unfailing love to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. God is not just an all-powerful creator that just speaks the word and he has the power to do in our situations, our circumstances, do in us. God is also a loving heavenly father who looks out for his children. He's looking down from heaven. He's watching. He knows what's going on. He wants the best for us. Do we believe that? Do we believe what we said in, in uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, as we talked about that prayer to cast all our care on Him? And it says why in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, why we cast all our cares on Him? Because He cares for you. Do we really believe that? Not just in our head, but in our heart, because if we believe it, then we are trusting that. We're able to rest in that. He loves us. That's where the practical problem comes to sitting down is that we believe God is able oftentimes. We believe that God is powerful, that he is able to do something, but we are not sure whether God is willing to work in our life. God loves me, yes. But whether that love is going to work right now, Ultimately, where our problem is, I think for those who have been Christians for a while, who have uh, gotten into the Word of God and know what you know, it's not that we have trouble believing that God is an all-powerful God. We have trouble believing that God is an all-loving God all the time for all of us. That's really where the rubber meets the road that we're not resting in His all-encompassing love. We struggle. We struggle. Our heads say one thing, but we really do struggle, and we end up in the worry chair. I'm sure God can handle that, but I'm not sure that that's what He's going to do. We start questioning and that, and we're questioning his love, especially verse and Psalm 33 here. It is the word that's used for love is a word that's used throughout uh, the Old Testament. I say Old Testament because of Hebrew. Uh, it's there. It's a chesed. His chesed. His loving kindness. This is not just a love. It is a. It is a a goodness. It is an unchanging love. It is a faithfulness. It is a steadfast love. The steadfast love of the Lord that never ceases. That are part of His mercies that never, never come to an end. It is that love that is spoken of so many times you hear in the phrase, like in Psalm 145, verses 8 and 9. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion 
on all he has made. And I realize in talking about this, not everybody grew up with a father who was trustworthy in this area, in this area of love even. But just think about a normal average dad. Maybe that's not yours, but a normal average dad. And and you go to say to him, maybe I would go and say, hey, dad, I, I need... I, I need such and such for school. I need a, uh, in my day, uh, back then, long ago, there were times where they actually started towards the end where you started to use calculators and certain things. But they were the scientific calculators. And you know the ones I'm talking about, great big long ones. You had to have the scientific. Dad, I need to get a scientific calculator that it has for physics and things like that that has everything that, to be able to put these in. All right, so I asked him for that, and that's what I need to do. And I just assumed that Dad would take care of it. And, and those were expensive in those days. Now, I suppose they're probably still a little expensive, but in those days that was, you know, those were expensive. Now, they were still were about this size. I don't want anybody thinking, oh, he, he got a calculator. It was like this. He had to get three people to carry it. No, it wasn't one of those. I'm not that old. Uh, but it is one of those things that it, this was expensive, but I didn't think like, okay, well, I'm not sure whether dad's going to get it or not. I, I wasn't rocking in worry about whether I was going to get that calculator for school. I mean, that was a legitimate need. It's not like I was asking him for an uh, official Red Ryder carbine action 200 shot range model air rifle. I didn't ask him for that. I asked him for something that not only I needed, but he knew I needed. It was a part of his, so to speak, his will of what he would want. And so I didn't worry about it. I didn't worry about whether I was going to get it. I also did not worry about, wow, this calculator is really expensive. I wonder how my dad's going to be able to afford it, whether he's going to have enough money to get that and whether he's going to be able to, to pay for that and whether he's going to be able to pull it off or is he going to have to sell a kidney. Uh, you know, I, but, uh, None of those thoughts came into my mind as a kid. Bring the need before my dad. This is a legitimate need. He's going to give it. I, I didn't... I wasn't worried about it because... That's not my responsibility. My responsibility was to tell dad what I needed. That's what the teacher said, here's what you need. My responsibility is to make sure I communicated that to him. It was his responsibility to provide that, to get that. That is the way it is with a loving heavenly father. We don't have to figure it out. We don't have to sit in a worry chair wondering, well, how is God going to do this? How is God going to give me this? How is he going to pride? How is he? We're just coming as a kid with our need. We don't worry about it. Just let him handle it. That's his job. Psalm 62, 8. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. And it's marvelous to know that we have a Heavenly Father who at the very core is good, is loving, who wants us to, to grow in Him. He wants to make all things work together for the good. We see in that uh, verses of His love, like the very basic one, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. We know that. We know that love that God so loved us that Jesus was able to come and meet our greatest need. It wasn't easy. It wasn't something that's just simple. But he delivered us from that penalty of sin and he saved us in that moment for all of eternity. He did that much and yet we still are worried about what, whether he's going to help us in the next week about this or that. Let me just take a moment as well just to make sure we're clear about this. We need to come to a point in time in our life if we're going to experience salvation, if we are going to be a part of God's forever family, if we are going to live with Him in heaven, if we are going to have Him living with us right here and helping us and working in us, then we have got to get out of the driver's seat and into the Jesus seat. There needs to be a point in time. We're talking about this sitting in the Jesus chair, but the reality is for some, we 
ourselves have never actually sat in the Jesus chair. We have concerns about things that are going on like our, our, our house or maybe our vehicles and things that are going on. And so we prayed about it and we've, we've put those to Jesus. We've, given, we've prayed about things. We've, we've given Him that. We have relationships and people that we're dealing with, you know. Maybe I could pull up Facebook, you know. Let's see who's on there today right now. Uh, no. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, a little catch. Uh, I'm going to call out some names right now. If you would just stand. No, I'm not going to do that. But, you know, think about relationships or problems that are going on. And maybe we pray about that. And, and, and we give it to him. And we do. We trust in Him. God, just help. I, I, I can't, or even if I could, I'm going to mess it up. I'm asking you to help. And that's great that we can trust Jesus with the things in our life and the things that are going. But at some point, we each must make the decision that we're not just going to trust Him for the circumstances, for the things that are going on in our life, that we each make the decision that we are going to trust in Jesus Christ alone for our salvation. That it doesn't happen from trying to be good enough because that's what ends us in the worry chair. Somebody's saying, you know, I'll, I'll ask people and, and say, uh, there's often two questions. And one of the questions is, do you know for certain, if something were to happen to you today, I'm not saying anything would, but do you know for certain that you're going to heaven? Do you know for certain that you're going to be with God throughout all eternity? And you know what? The answer is so many times... Well, I hope so. I really think so. I, I, I really, I, I'm pretty sure. But they're not 100% sure. They really don't know. They're just kind of hoping so. And in that, they're really, there's a worry about, I, I think I am, and I, I want to think positive thoughts right now. But there are moments where those positive thoughts don't win out and worry starts taking over. And part of it is because We've never really trusted in Jesus for our salvation. We've trusted in being good. But good is never good enough. We all have sinned. We've all fallen short of what God wants of our lives. We, we, we've trusted in the fact that maybe we're going to church and we're reading the Bible and we're praying. I did that. I remember a long ago. I was the only one in my family started going and it's like, you know, going to church, reading the Bible, praying, really being sincere about it, thinking, okay, now I got it. I got everything. Uh, I got my ticket to heaven. But the reason I got my ticket is because I had done this, 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 and then therefore I earned it. And there is nothing I can do to earn heaven. There's nothing I can do to earn God's love. It is only a gift. And the only thing I can do is just trust him alone for my salvation and say, Jesus, I admit I can't, I can sit here all day rocking, but I can't save myself. I can't get to heaven. I can't be a part of that. I just want to trust you alone. I need you to forgive me of my sin. And not just that, to forgive me, I'm a sinner. I don't just everybody's done things and said things are wrong but you know what it's just kind of the nature i'm a sinner and i i need to be changed more than that i, I want to be a part of your family to have that relationship you know john 17 verse 3 says this is eternal life that you might know god not just know about him not just talk about him, not just do the religious stuff, but to really know in a personal relationship. And the way we do that is to just make that decision. I'm out of the driver's seat here, and I'm just going to go into the Jesus seat and surrender to you fully, wholly, in every way. So Jesus, help me in that. I'm not sure where you're at this morning. It may be that you need to take a step into the Jesus seat. And to get out of whatever you've been trusting in, go out, out of the worry chair and into the Jesus chair. It may be that you've never actually made that move. 
you've never asked Jesus to forgive you, to be the Savior, to turn your life over, to get, get out of the driver's seat, turn the wheel your whole life over to him, including eternity, and now is the time. It also may be that you have at one time, but you've gotten out of that chair. You've wandered away from Jesus. And maybe nobody even realizes that, but you do. To come back to him. And I ask the worship team to come. We get ready. This last part here. To make that decision. To trust in your loving devotion. To let our heart rejoice in his salvation, as Psalm 13 says. But not only that, whatever it is we're facing, whatever it is that you are, are, are dealing with, just to think about all that God has already done for you. Romans 8.32 says this, Since He did not spare even His own Son, but gave Him up for us. I, I want to make sure you get this, Romans 8.32. Since He did not spare even His own Son, but gave him up for us all. Won't he also give us everything else? We can trust in Jesus. And you think about all that he's already done. He's saying here in Romans, there is nothing that can be going on in your life that's going to even come close to that. He's got you. He's got it. It's time to take a seat. Just want to encourage you as we uh, sing this last, this this closing song. That you want to respond. You want to, you know, in a sense, take that seat. Maybe you just need to come up out of your seat symbolically and to sit here or just to kneel before Him. Maybe there's a need, something you've been rocking and worry about that you need to just lay down and trust Jesus with completely and walk away and not pick it up as you go out the door. Whatever that is, I just want to encourage you to trust Him in this and to, and to do something about it, to know that we can draw near to the throne of grace with confidence and receive the mercy and find grace in the time of need. You got His Word on it, Hebrews 4. Father, help us in this to actually win over worry, to find in our fight for joy that we find it in you because when we trust in your holy name, that is when our hearts rejoice. Trust in you. The God who is powerful enough to just say the word and it's done. The God who is loving enough that there is nothing that you wouldn't do. Work and move. Even now, Jesus.